thank God we have a home waiting. And uh, it sure is good to be here with you tonight. And uh, I want to thank the church for your goodness toward our family. And I want to thank the preacher for the nice place to stay. And uh, it's not very often that I stay somewhere where there's a Lamborghini parked out in front. So uh, it was a really nice place. And uh, it, it's one thing to pull up there in a, in a Mercedes or a Lamborghini, but then not and pull up there in my 2007 Dodge Caravan that another missionary sold me for $10. <laughs> so, so it's a little bit different, but uh, it was a wonderful place to stay, and we thank the church for it. She'd been so good to us. And uh, we've uh, always enjoyed being here. I, I just enjoyed the, before service listening to the choir practicing, the orchestra playing. And I was thinking our, our home church, we pretty much have the same thing, but they're kind of off to the side with a couple guitars, a banjo, and a mandolin. Uh, just a little bit, little bit different orchestra, but they're playing. And uh, we're enjoying it. And, uh, but we are, again, so thankful to be here. And uh, if you would... Uh, do open your Bibles to 2 Kings, and I, I won't read through the scripture since we've just read it, uh, and we'll just begin preaching and uh, sharing what God has put on our heart and, and telling about the work also uh, from the, the Word of God in uh, 2 Kings chapter number 7. Now, I, I need to introduce my wife and, and daughter for those of you who are not familiar with us. Uh, that's my wife, Tracy, that uh, everybody just loves the sound of her southern voice singing. And uh, our daughter, Kylie. Now, Kylie is uh, the last of six, so uh, she's the baby of the family. And uh, she won't be returning with us to the mission field in October. Uh, she's staying here to go to college, and uh, I am not sure how I feel about that. Uh, after 35 years of having children in the house and it not being... Uh, her going back with us, but uh, I do pray, pray for her as she uh, starts school. Also pray for her uh, in June, uh, she's going to be taking a trip. She decided she wanted to go somewhere for her graduation. She worked hard graduating a year early, and uh, we said, whatever you want to do. So she's going on a mi mission trip with about 30 other folks to Papua New Guinea. Uh, so pray for her as she's uh, uh, looking to do that. And uh, proud of her and uh, glad that she's uh, uh, been with us. And uh, I'll miss her when she's gone. But uh, 2 Kings, in 2 Kings chapter number 7, as we look at that passage of Scripture, we, we notice some things that are going on within uh, uh, the land. Uh, certainly, uh, you can look at it and see that they're in a, a difficult day a day of really a dilemma that they're going through in the, in the land and a, a lot of difficulties. There, there, there's a famine in the land. Now that's uh, what it was talking about there in the early part of Elisha is basically saying the famine is going to be over. Everybody's going to be able to come and buy and sell and everything's going to be okay because they've been through this famine. And, and really here in the United States, we don't know much about famine. Uh, there are folks, we see folks that are hungry. I, I don't want to uh, say that there's not, but it's not for lack of food. I mean, we waste more food here than anywhere else in the world. Uh, there's food to eat. Uh, it might be someone's situation where they, they can't afford the food, but the food is there. Uh, in this situation, they, they, they don't have the food because there's been uh, a drought in the land, a famine in the land. They, they, they're struggling, they're, they're hurting, and as we, we think along those lines, certainly here in the United States, we can't say that. 
and also, but we can say maybe there might be a famine for the hearing of the word of God as we see the situation in our land. But as I, I think about the country that, that we're in, I think about Bulgaria, uh, they, they have a spiritual famine also. Uh, when, uh, who we work with, we work with the Turkish Muslims in, um, well, Turkish gypsy, but they're Muslim in uh, Bulgaria and also in Romania. And so spiritually, they're blinded by the, their religion. Uh, it, it also extends out to the regular Bulgarian. Uh, most of them are steeped in the Orthodox religion where they pl place a lot of trust in other things but beside Christ and Him alone. And, and that is the, the land that, that we live in. Uh, there, there's a famine in the land there in Bulgaria. There's a famine here in the United States for the hearing of the Word of God. You say, well, how can that be so? And uh, I don't know everybody's position on everything, but I, I do know what the Word of God says and, and where I stand. But I, I come back in, into the good old U.S. of A., and I'm in Blairsville, Georgia. I mean, the very buckle of the Bible Belt. I mean, I, I, I'm right there, and I'm, I'm going through town, and there's a car in front of me, and it has a bumper sticker on it, so it's such and such church. I'm not going to get into what denomination it is. It doesn't matter. Uh, they claim to be Christian. It doesn't matter what uh, uh, denomination it was, but right up above that is that statement, my body, my choice. And I'm thinking, well, where do you stand on what the Word of God says about those things? And so uh, that's a famine for believing and hearing and receiving the Word of God. And uh, they, we have it here, we have it in Bulgaria, and uh, as we minister among the, the Bulgarian people, I, I found uh, among the Turks, they're fairly o open to the gospel. Uh, they're fairly open to, uh, you don't have to convince them not to be a Muslim. You have to convince them and, t and show them the gospel. I'm not there trying to convince anybody about uh, this religion or that religion. I'm wanting to give them the gospel. I'm wanting to give them the truth of what Jesus Christ can do for them. And if you'll give them the gospel, it'll change their lives. It, it'll make them uh, uh, see that things can be better, things can be different, that they can trust in one and not distrust in a religion. And, and that, that's here and there. But we see in this uh, uh, passage of scripture this day of dilemma they, they had foes on every hand that there was foes all around that they, they were being besieged as those lepers were looking to to leave they were going to go into the syrian camp the syrians had them besieged and they were feeling the the pressure from this enemy on hand and certainly we can parallel that with today of what's going on in our land and, and the forces of Satan against the church and against all things that are holy. It's still going on in our land, but it's, it's the same there in, in, in Bulgaria. Uh, with the Turkish people, they, they, they're faced with the foe of, uh, of being the very, certainly our gypsies, with being the very poorest of the poor, the lowest in the land, and everybody's against them. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I can walk into the gypsy community, the Turkish gypsy community, uh, and they're called the Milet Turk, and I can go in there and I don't worry about anything. I don't worry about uh, uh, being uh, assaulted uh, because they know us. Uh, they know who we are. You know who we are? There's a Turkish word, inanç, uh, uh, which means believer. And that's uh, what we are. Now, the, the Turk is very hesitant to, to call themselves a Christian. You say, well, why is that? 
All they know of Christianity is the Orthodox Church. All they know of Christianity is that what was forced upon them and their, their parents during communism. That's all they know. So when our folks become believers, they are the Enoch. There's a group of people in Romania and Bulgaria right now that are called the Enoch. You're a believer. And what do they believe? They believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They believe that He is God. They believe that He shed His blood on Calvary's cross to wash away all their sins. They believe that they can place their faith and trust in Him and Him alone that they can be saved and they can go to heaven when they die. They believe what we believe. Are you in knowledge? I'm proud to be labeled a believer. And I thank God that, that they're there today, but they're very discriminated against. And, and, and people are against them. They face a lot of difficulties because of that, whether or not they're, they're Muslim or whether or not they're Enoch. And our folks face, face a lot of hardship because of it. And uh, we can see uh, even in the, the land where we are now, uh, we, we had the opportunity this past year to to minister to a people who've been besieged, who've been uh, forced out of their homes as we've worked with Ukrainian refugees. I mean, they, they have uh, uh, had a battle come to them that they didn't want, but they, they're having to endure it. So they're besieged on every hand. And a lot of it is that the fault in their leaders. I mean, by, because of what Putin is doing, I mean, that is, is, is brought hardship on a, a large group of people. And a large group of people now want God. And I, I wonder sometimes what it might take in, in our country before we get to the point where we want God. We saw it briefly during 9-11. But it was very brief. What, what might it be that we have to endure before we really are hungry for God here in the United States? But even though all that is going on, and we can see... Certainly we're besieged and, and we, can, we can blame our leadership. And I, I'm not talking about uh, the White House or, or, or in the State House in our, in our states. Uh, it's uh, a lot of us behind the pulpits where men of God have just kind of backed up on thus saith the Lord and backed up on the truth and, and backed up on uh, uh, what God said is, is final and it still is. No matter what society says. God's word is final about all the things that are ailing us in our uh, society today. God's word is still final, and, and we need to stand on that word and not be wishy-washy on it, but stand on the word of God. So all these things are going on, but there was a day of deliverance. They did have that, all that going on, but, but God moved. God worked in their circumstance. And the truth of it is, it was a miraculous moving that God did. And they didn't do a thing to earn it. And that's, that's how salvation is. God moves miraculously in someone's life and saves them by His good grace. There's no greater miracle. We, we keep looking for God to do this and that. The greatest thing that He'd ever done is save your soul. And, and I think about the countless uh, Turks that he saved from the Islamic faith and he saved them by his grace. That is a miracle in itself. And it's still going on among the Turks this past year. We, we were able to baptize over 40 people. And I thank the Lord he's still saving Turks. 
He's still saving Muslims. He's not limited. He still can save whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He still can do it no matter what their background is. And it was a joy for me. If you get one of our prayer cards, you'll see that there's a, I'm on there with Brother Alish baptizing a, Tur- uh, a gypsy-looking girl, which is not a gypsy. That's our daughter, Kylie. Uh, but she was baptized. She wanted to be baptized there with the Turks. And he's saving souls. And I thank the Lord for that. And uh, I thank God for every church that's prayed for us, every person that's ever lifted up a prayer that God would keep saving these folks. And, and uh, God is working with them and just village to village. Uh, we work with uh, seven national pastors. We have four other missionary families we work with. Right now, we've got a little bit over 60 churches that we minister to every single week. Of course, when you've got that many churches, that many meetings going on every single day, it's not Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. It's every time you can get out. And I'm thankful to be a part of a work that's that busy. And that we've got men that, that are going to 13, 14 meetings a week and just getting out and going to where they are. I, I say our, our church is a little bit different. We don't bring them just into one location. Our pastors will have a, a congregation, but they go out to it. And where the, the people are, they go to them. And we go with them. You say, well, what do you do? We preach, we pray, and we sing. And there's nothing like getting a bunch of Turks together and they have their own hymns. We've got a hymn book. It's got over 200 hymns in it, and there might be 20 American hymns in it. The rest of them, they've been written by themselves. And just about the goodness of God, the grace of God, about heaven, about his salvation, I mean, what he's done for them. And it's a believer's hymn book. And I thank God they're, they're still singing it. So we have this miraculous moving, and it's still, I, I don't, know if you comprehend how great a miracle it is for a Muslim to get saved and get saved out of that religion and we we see miraculous moving in lives here every time somebody is saved by the grace of God we ought to be thanking him for he's still doing it he's not limited he's not he's alive and well and he's still saving souls so here we see there was a, a miraculous moving and and it it happened because the enemy was completely erased they, those lepers, they, they came down, and they come into the camp of the Syrians, and there's no one there. They didn't ha- have to fight a battle. They didn't have to do a thing. The enemy was gone. The enemy fled. That word, uh, to flee, basically means to run as from danger, to quickly run. I, I, I'll use an old southern phrase, to run like a scalded dog. I mean, uh, to just get... Get away from it. You say, how do you know that they ran like that? Did you read? We read the scripture. They were so frightened, they left the horses. Now, to me, if I'm getting away from the enemy, I'm jumping on a horse who can run faster than I can. But they were so frightened, they, they were so overwhelmed with fear that they, they left the horses and just took off. Because God moved miraculously. And God did, did something that only he can do. And, you know, the scriptures tell us that in James 4, verse 7, that it says if we'll submit ourselves unto God, resist the devil, what will he do? 
He'll flee from us. He'll run like a scalded dog if we just res resist him. Now, there's something that we have to do. We have to submit ourselves unto God. We have to, and we have the Holy Ghost living within us. And, but we have to really submit ourselves unto God. We can't do it on our own. We can't win the battle on our own. Our dear, dear brother was kidnapped. It took God moving and for, for in that situation for him to be delivered from that. But if you'll submit yourself unto God, he'll move in your life. He'll, he'll do works that, that you can't even imagine because he'll, he'll fight the battle. I, I love to illustrate straight it like this. I, I'm not a little man. I, I realize that. I'm a larger size fellow. always have been. Uh, but there was a time in my life when I was in, in school, in high school, I was one of the big guys, but I, I was a, a football player. I was fairly athletic, just a big guy. I never had anybody come up to me and say, I want to pick a fight. I mean, nobody ever did. But there was two reasons. One, because of my size. And number two, because of my twin brother's size. <laughs> you see, my, I, I was... High school back then, a big foot, football player is about 215 pounds. It's different today, but uh, there, my brother was maybe a little over an inch taller than me. He was 240. And you young people realize that usually in a high school or school, there's some guy in the school that's the big dog. I mean, he's the one nobody wants to mess with, nobody wants to fight. That was my brother. So he, and being my twin brother, and I say this, I've never in my lifetime not had somebody else in my bedroom. Because growing up, my brother was in my bedroom until I, until I got married and then I shared my bedroom with my wife. So I've never been in a, in a bedroom by myself. So he was with me 24 hours a day. Uh, we had one car. My parents didn't buy us two cars. We had one car. So we're together constantly. You say, well, why, why are you saying all that? You have one that w is with you constantly that can win every battle, that can defeat every foe, that has the ability to, to work in your life. If you'll just resist the devil, you have God with you, and he'll flee. He'll run away. And we need to remember that. But here we see that all this has went on, all this has happened. You, that they have seen God move in, in a way that's unimaginable. They, they come down in, in the tents, everything's still there. All the silver, all the gold, the raiment it talks about. And they, they've left their animals behind. And they have all these things and, and they're benefited from it. And then they come to their senses and say, we do not wail. This is not right. We, we have all this that's happening, all this is going on, and, and we are not right in it. We do not well. And why was it that they said that? I believe the first thing is that because they're, they're faltering without any faith. Why did they go down there? You remember reading the scripture? They got to the point, these lepers, and, and, and leprosy is a terrible disease. It was in the Bible times. It had about a nine-year death sentence. You got it, and then you died. And uh, it just ate away at your body. Uh, it was a, just a terrible thing to endure. And, and so these men, they were thinking, well, we're going to die one day anyhow. We're starving to death here. So 
let's just go down into the to the hands of the Syrians. They, they felt like there's no hope anyhow. They're, they had no faith that anything was going to happen. They weren't looking to go down there and be there no, not, nobody there. They were looking, well, the worst thing that can happen to us is we're going to die. No faith. The passage of Scripture began with the, the Lord that was there saying, yeah, it, all this is going to happen. What, and what Elisha was talking about is the prices are going to go back to normal. You're going to be able to buy and sell. There's going to be food. Everything's going to be all right. And that Lord said, yeah, and God will just rain it from heaven. Just mocking the man of God. You read this, passage, you read this chapter, you go toward the end of the chapter, and the man that mocked him and didn't believe God He's standing there as everybody's rushing back into the city to buy and sell and to eat. He's literally trampled to death because he had no faith. And that's something I believe that we need to get an understanding of that we've got to have faith. We've got to believe God. That man said, might this thing be? Now, the Bible says that without faith, what is it? It's impossible to please God. Now that word impossible just means basically that it cannot be, that it cannot be done. So if you don't have faith, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how many times you come through the church doors. It doesn't matter how religious you are. If you don't have faith, you cannot please God. And and the truth of it is that it's sometimes faith is not logical. Faith doesn't make sense. Uh, we do in, in Bulgaria, we do every single year uh, for the, our churches, we do a flour and oil distribution. Now, this year we've done the same as we did, pretty much did the same as we did last year. But this year, the Ukrainian war going on, uh, them being a, a big provider of grain in that part of the world, it drove the prices up. Surely that's too much for God. That's impossible. No, we were able to buy the same amount of flour that we did in the past years, over 75 tons of flour, 7,500 liters of oil, and, and ministering to and helping about 1,600 families. And we're able to do that every year because nothing is impossible with God. If you just have faith that he's able to do it, it will get done. And the, the truth of it is that it might not be logical. And, so, and a lot of times that I've seen in my own life, it might not be comfortable. But the truth of it is, according to the word of God, it's not negotiable. You cannot bargain with God. You can't say, I'll, I'll do this if you do that. No, you've got to have faith and trust God and live for God and just he'll work everything out just as he, do, he, did, he, he does with these Turkish folks. He'll do it with you. And we're not a big organization that's got a ton of money, but we've got churches behind us and God behind us, and every single year we're able to do that. We also have a coach for kids ministry where we have coach for children during the winter, and God provides every single year, and I thank God for it. He's faithful, and he's faithful to you. He's faithful to this church. He's still looking to work in your life. Just believe him. It's not negotiable. You can't decide when and, and how you want God to, to work. Just trust him and believe him. And he, he will work it out. And, and the truth of it is, and, I, and I'll testify to this in my own life, a lot of times I, I'm just like those lepers. I have to get to the point where I'm almost miserable before I'll move. There they are. They're starving to death. They, they don't have food. 
and they're dying of leprosy. So they, they just come to the conclusion, well, it don't matter anyhow, we're going to die. Let's just go on down in the Syrian camp. They'd, if they kill us, they just kill us. And they had to get to the point where it was like the last resort before they moved. Now, how many of you have ever done that? I mean, a lot of times it's, it's I've got to, to, to work out my plan. I've got to work out my little way of figuring it out. And, and once I, I get to the point where I can't get it figured out and, and I don't really know which way to turn, I'll say, okay, God, I need you to move. No, just let him move. Just trust him, believe in him, and, and he'll work. Don't get to that point where you're, it's like the last resort. And that's where these fellows were. So don't falter without faith. And, and we see, secondly, that they were reaping benefits without sowing anything. Now, that is your exact position as a child of God. That they went into those tents. The food was there. The money was there. They had clothes that they could put on. Everything was just wonderful. That They were doing great. And then all of a sudden it dawned on them, this is not good what we're doing. This is not well. Because they were reaping from, from something that they had nothing to do with. And child of God, if you've been born again, saved by his grace, you're living in that. He done something for you that, that you didn't do for yourself. And if you think that somehow, way, you earned it. No, you're saved by the grace of God through faith in him alone. And, and it's not of your works. It, or we would boast. It, it, we would do that. But it's just through him. Saving through him changing a life. And we're reaping. So if we're reaping those benefits, we've been saved from our sin, we certainly ought to live for him. And, uh, you know, we, we've already talked about he's sa how he's saving the Turks. And, and it's amazing to see how he's, he's taken some of those lives and, and he's turned them around and, and, and made uh, preachers out of them, made made good uh, preacher's wives out of them, just made good Christians out of them because God's able to do that. And he can still do that within, within any life of the, in this church. He's still able if we just believe him and trust him. And if, if we'll just get out and tell the gospel story, the world needs to know. But I believe that somehow, you know, we, we know we're seated in heaven. For some reason, we're satisfied with sitting here. So now you're getting to meddling a little bit, preacher. Well, the world needs the gospel. We don't need to be discomfortable within the house of God. We need to be out telling the world about this man, Jesus, who can change their life and not just be satisfied, not just be content. Yes, we're, we're secure in the Spirit of God, but we, we don't need to stifle the Spirit of God. We need Him to move mightily in our, in our lives, and, and we need to be busy about, uh, we've not, we're reaping something we didn't sow, but we certainly can start sowing the Word of God. And I'm grateful to be a part of a work that's, that's able to do that. Uh, we have a ministry within our, our, our group. Uh, we, uh, we've got the, the Word of God being translated into the, Turk, the, the Turkish Bible. Right now, the Turkish Bible is not one that's comparable to the King James Bible. So one of our missionaries, Brother Ralph Cheatwood, who's gone on to be with the Lord now, had translated the Bible. And we've had that, and it's, be, it's being finished up. And uh, we were going to be working with Victory Baptist Press to, 
to be able to, to get the Bible out uh, to really mass produce it for years. And uh, on my table in the back, you, you'll see two different Bibles. One is in the Cyrillic alphabet, which is in Cyrillic, but it's a Turkish Bible, which is kind of confusing. And then, then there's one, a Turkish Bible in the Latin alphabet. Those are for believers in Romania. But the, 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 the one that you can see and understand the letters, the Latin alphabet, that one has a binding on it that Victory Baptist Press is going to do for us so we can mass produce it. The one that has Cyrillic on it is hand-sewn. I've probably sewn a thousand of those just to give away. And uh, right now what we have on the back table is New Testaments, but we now have the, the, the Word of God in, in the Turkish language that is being read by Turkish biblical scholars in Turkey right now to finish it up because we, this is the Word of God. We want to make sure it's completely correct. But that same Word of God, Brother, Chief, that Brother Cheatwood worked on that translation, now is being read by Turks on, the, on YouTube so Turks can hear it. And that Brother Ralph would be, I'm sure, rejoicing in heaven to know that uh, that's going on. And I'm proud to be a part of a work that, that's doing that. And it's amazing what God can do. Uh, but we've got to be sowing. We, we don't need to keep going on reaping the benefits without sowing anything. And that's what these men realize. We do not well because we, we're reaping the benefits without, without sowing. And then it, they said we, we're tearing here without toiling. We're dissatisfied. We're, we're content. But they came to their senses now, we have great tidings to tell. We have the gospel. But a lot of times we're like those lepers. We hold our peace. How many people in the last week have you told about Jesus? How many folks have you just held your peace as they've walked by? And every person has a soul. Every person is either going to heaven or hell when they die. And every person that you meet... I think we need to have this thought, they're lost. Now, if they're not, they're not going to have a problem with you going and sharing the gospel with them. I've never had a problem with somebody coming up to me and handing me a gospel track and talking to me about the Lord. That's no problem for me. It hasn't happened very often, sad to say. But we need to tell the world. We don't need to tarry, we need to toil. We need to, we need to get out because as the Bible says in Luke chapter 10, he tells them that, the, the harvest truly is great, but what? The laborers are few. Now that word labor does not mean someone with a doctorate. It means just a, basically an unskilled worker. And I thank God that that is a qualification because I fit it. I mean, it doesn't take anybody but somebody who's willing to go and to share and to tell. And I thank God for that. Uh, he's looking for laborers. And we in Bulgaria are looking for laborers. We need, we need more missionaries. We, we need young people who, who, are, who have a desire to go and live for God and serve God on, on the field in Bulgaria. Uh, but we're not the only place. Haiti needs people to go with the gospel. There's, there's places all over the world that need the God. There's places in this country that need someone to go. And are we willing to go? I've, all, I've always been po posed with this question. 
What is it about you that God called you to be a missionary? What's so special about you? Nothing. I know who I am. I know what I battle each and every day when I look in the mirror and the, and the, and the shortcomings I have. But I do know that God uh, moved in my heart in a way because I believe he knew that I would go. And that's the only thing special about me. My wife will testify to it. I have a gypsy spirit. I can live anywhere. And I've been in a lot of different places. And, and I'm comfortable wherever I'm at. I thank the Lord for that. And not everybody's that way. But he's looking for somebody who's willing to go, somebody who's willing to tell. Somebody, there's a great need right now in Bulgaria. We, we live in a land where right now the Bulgarian population is dwindling because they're part of the Eastern Euro European Union now. And they, the working age people, have left because. The median income right now in Bulgaria is a little over maybe $400 a month. The average income. There's people who make a whole lot more. There's people who make a whole lot less. That's most of the people that we work with. And so they're, they're very, very poor. Well, they've opened up the borders to go up into Europe and work. So the, the poorest people in the land, they've left. And a lot of our men, a lot of our young, young men and young families have went to Europe. And because of that, uh, we, we need preachers, and they're not there. So we need missionaries to come. And we need to, one of the things that we're going to do is refocus. During, during the COVID, we weren't able to do a lot of things with the children that we did before. We had feeding centers where we'd, we'd bring them in and sing with them and, and, and feed them and, and help, help them that way, but give them the gospel well, they, they shut all those down during, during COVID. We're, we're looking to refocus because we're going to have to get them before they leave to work. And it's a great need right now. But we need missionaries. We need somebody with a burden to go tell a Bulgarian or go tell a Turk about Jesus. You know, and I, I'm afraid that it might end up, as, as I close this out, like those lepers were saying that if we don't do something, there might be some mischief befall us. And we're thinking we better do something that something bad's going to happen. And uh, we certainly live in a land where we look at everything that's going on around us and, and we're thinking what will it take for our, our country to turn back to God. It might be that something very bad is going to have to happen. Because as I said, we, we've been working with a lot of Ukrainian refugees in, in the past year. And they are a group of people who right now want God. And it, I, don't, I hope it doesn't get to the point in our country where we had to have bombs falling before we really want God. And uh, we were able to see God help a lot of of Ukrainians in the East past this past year, and it was a blessing to be able to do that. Uh, my daughter, we were we were watching the news as it first started, and, and people started coming to Bulgaria or Ukrainians, and and Kylie just asked me, Dad, is there something we can do to help? And I said, Well, honey, we'll look into it. And as I I said that, I started talking to some folks. I talked to a man in Georgia, and uh, he put it on Facebook. And that's thing I know, God starts providing the funds to do something. 
And so we began just looking at every avenue that we could to help people that were coming from Ukraine. And what they started first, they started coming in by the busload. Uh, we live about an hour from the, the coast of the, the Black Sea. There's a city there called Varna. And, of course, they're on the coast, uh, just like here. There's hotels and places for people to stay and vacation. And it was, uh, it was off season, so they started putting these Ukrainian refugees into these hotels. But they staged them at this place in Varna, a big coliseum sports hall. And, and these mothers, and, and you know how it was, uh, uh, men that were under the age of 60 had to stay and fight. It's still that way. So it was just basically women and children coming. And so they started coming in with backpacks and maybe a little suitcase. And we started helping that, that center there by taking them just stuff that somebody would need. Ladies, can you imagine riding for maybe 36, 40 hours on a bus with your toddler and all the needs that they had and being stuck at borders? Uh, we went to borders and, and just met them at the border at times with, with aid. But we, we'd take them croissants and bananas and, and take diapers, wet wipes, everything that they might need when they, they got off that bus. That's how we began. And then they started opening up little centers where the people got placed in these hotels. And so we started taking uh, to the centers what they would need, and it, whether it be potatoes, bananas, uh, hygiene products. We then started making up uh, hygiene packs ourselves to take to the hotels that they put them in. And uh, by that time, we started getting tracts and Bibles, children's storybooks, and uh, we, everything that we took, it, we had that with it, thousands of them. And we, we gave out so, much, so many tracts, it's just amazing how God worked in that. We, we stuffed them in the, in the hygiene packs. If, uh, if you followed us any on Facebook, you, see, you saw from time to time our whole living room full of these bags that we were taking to these hotels and just give them the word of God. Imagine you're, you're in a country where you don't know the language. Now, the languages are similar, but it's not the same language. You get there, you have nothing that you can read to your child but the word of God. And that was a blessing to see that. We saw so many times a, a mother sitting with her children reading from the Bible or reading from a children's storybook and uh, getting the gospel to them. We couldn't preach to them. That was the biggest barrier was the language barrier. They came in with the Russian language or the Ukrainian language. We work with Bulgarians and Turks. I, when I preach, I preach in Turkish. I don't know any Russian, don't know any Ukrainian, but this does. There's a, there's a thing called Google Translate. It's not 100% correct all the time, but it's amazing how you can communicate. You have no excuses. And uh, we had the opportunity as we were there for a while. We had this uh, little family as we were at, as the, the work among the Turks really accelerated during the Ukrainian refugees coming in. You say, why, why was that? Because the first casualty in the Ukrainian war was COVID. Because they, as the refugees started coming into Bulgaria, they couldn't swab every nose. They couldn't check for vaccines because a lot of them were co coming without passports and just flooding the country. So the restrictions were dropped. 
We got back in, into the villages every, just about every single day of the week. That meant a lot of times I would, in the morning I'd help my wife and go to the store and load up a van full of aid. She would take it out to the hotels or out to the centers. And uh, they got to know her personally. Uh, so that when the seasons change, the kids' needs change, they met her with list. Uh, they literally did. They, she got to where when she got there, she parked a little bit up the road, not directly in front of the place, or she'd be swamped. And, but we had the, the opportunity as a young girl came to, to my wife, and her name was Yulia, 18 years old. And she, could, she came without her mother. Because her mother, being a police officer, they told her, you cannot leave. Told her if she ever left and came back, they would imprison her. So just a terrible situation. This 18-year-old girl leaves, uh, but not by herself. She came with her 10-year-old sister, Christina, and her 3-year-old sister, Yasmina. 18 years old. Just a little bit older than my daughter. And I, I can't imagine... Her going into a country where she does not speak the language, doesn't know anybody, getting off a bus, and being in the situation that she was in. Of course, we met them. That broke our heart and got our attention. We, we got her, and by that time, we'd help get a, a center started in the city we live in, Schumann, Bulgaria. We just brought them to that center. They stayed there. We were close contact with them. Matter of fact, we uh, had Christina, the 10-year-old, in the house for a few days, uh, because Yasmina got sick and was in the hospital. And there's nothing like having a 10-year-old uh, girl full of energy, one of the most athletic kids I've ever seen at her age. And uh, she, she was just bubbling over and, and wanting to talk. My, of course, my wife always wants to talk. And, and they, they were going back and forth with Google Translate. Uh, Christina would come running and say, Translate, Translate. And uh, just got dear to our hearts. And uh, we're so thankful to have been able to help them. But they're back in Ukraine. Uh, they missed their mother. They wanted to go back. Uh, so we took them. And it was very hard for us because they got dear to our hearts. And uh, put them on a bus uh, to go back to their mother. And they're in harm's way right now. They're around the Odessa region. Do pray for them. Uh, pray for their mother. Pray for their safety. But we were just so grateful to be able to do that. I believe that I've kind of felt like Esther at that time. We were put in that position for such a time as this to help them and, and to be a blessing to them. And uh, I don't know what mischief might befall our country. I, don't ha I hope it doesn't be, end up being that it's like the Ukrainians. You know, they, they now want God with all their heart. And it's because of the situation they in, they're in. Uh, I, I'm afraid we might be like those in the Revelation that are lukewarm, where it's got to the point where we're rich and increasing goods and need nothing. No, we need God. Uh, we desperately need God. But I, I'm so grateful what God has done with our family and through our family. Uh, just in that period of time, uh, God just working through just the three of us, and through God's people sending, we're able to do over $75,000 worth of aid uh, to the Ukrainian people. We sent a complete tractor trailer full of aid. Uh, we, we emptied our van out. Me and Tracy drove to Ukraine ourselves and delivered some aid. Uh, it was just amazing what we're able to do 
because God's people gave and uh, because God's people were concerned. And I, I just hope that we don't look back one day in our, on our lives of being a Christian and when our time comes to really be where we're ready to be before the Lord that we just have to say, I didn't do well. I didn't do right. I should have done more. And I'm afraid we're all going to have a little bit of that in us. I certainly feel like I could do more than I've done. But I don't want to feel like, well, I don't, I don't do well. I, I'm, I'm a mess. I've, I've messed up. I've been given this great opportunity, and I've done nothing with it. I'm still sitting in the tent. I don't want to be that way. I don't believe this church wants to be that way. We need, need to have a desire to, to reach the lost. And that's, that's basically what our work is in, in Bulgaria. It's, it's focused on the Turkish people. But the gospel is for everybody. And God gave us that opportunity for the Ukrainian people. And I think that's something you need to remember. Whatever God has called you to do, be open to whatever God wants. And let him work and let him move in your life. And you might see him do things that you, th you thought were impossible. Because we got a God who can do the impossible. Nothing is impossible with him. I, I thank you for your time. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, thank you for everything that you've done for us. And we just ask you to pray for us. Pray for the Bulgarian people. Pray for the Turkish people. Pray for the Ukrainians. Pray for whoever else God would put in our path that we'd show them the grace of God and give them the gospel. Thank you. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.